0: Rose back up again with a full heart, and buried him in his own blood.
1: What are you waiting for? Honestly, I mean, do you want him to chop me up and feed me to the poor? Is that what you guys want? Come out, come out, wherever you are.
0: Yes, I, got what I, I want you to deal with your problems by becoming rich. <laughs> You
1: swore that you'd fire me if I came in late again. You swore. i you tomorrow! Oh, who the fuck are you? I'm a guy who does his job. You must be the other guy. i the way of the future. Special love I had for you. I Which would be worse? To live as a monster? What a die is a good man. Hello everyone, you're listening to the Director's Club Podcast. I am Jim Laskowski, and before we begin once again, I want to take a little time beforehand um, to uh, inform you about a couple of things. First off, I want to thank everyone for checking out and subscribing to the many great shows over at nowplayingnetwork.net. Two new shows have come aboard, and I know firsthand that they are well worth your time. We have Fresh Perspective, hosted by Jeff and Rebecca, which is centered around a monthly theme that they determine, um, and they give us two episodes, making it a bi-weekly podcast, and their first theme for their debut was entitled Schools Out. So for July, they, uh, took upon certain films that cover, you know, high school and that age range, um. You know, it's coming-of-age stories while in school, or out, Um, and the first two films they did for uh, episode one and two were Days and Confused and Heathers. Uh, I really enjoyed the discussions. It's a a very short and sweet show, averages around 30 minutes. Since, um, you know, I know a lot of you are busy, maybe a shorter show suits you, and that's totally cool, but I'm big fans of Rebecca and Jeff and their enthusiasm for all things cinema, so... Be sure to give them a look. And I can't say enough good things about Patrick Rappole's horror commentary extravaganza, Tracks of the Damned. I've said many great things about Patrick, and I mean them all, but to hear him basically um, take control and decide to put out his own content is something that I had hoped would happen, and I'm glad it's finally here He's um, doing full-on feature-length audio commentary for films um, such as The Giant Claw, Fright Night, The Mummy's Tomb, Oculus. He does extensive research and discusses the many strengths of the horror genre. And he examines the film itself as he watches it. And you can just check it out, man. Because you can get the movies however you see fit, rent them preferably. And then listen along. You get your own personal guide via Patrick Rapol, former co-host here. It's a great idea. It's a great show. And as you know, I fully endorse everything that guy does. There is a reason I chose him as a co-hurst, co-hurst, co-host early on. So he's formerly of the show and uh, I'm very proud, very proud to be his friend and honored to have him on the Now Playing Network. Also, another new favorite podcast of mine just released a brand new episode with guest Joseph Gervasi. Bill Ackerman's supporting characters is always one I look forward to since the interviews are um, engaging, to say the least. I know I use that word a lot, but, um, you know, and, and the interviews aren't with big names necessarily, but people that are behind the scenes that share their passion for film. Uh, openly and candidly. So if you love cinema, you've got to get on this podcast. Supporting characters. Check it out. Subscribe. Leave a review on iTunes. It's a refreshing conversational podcast that is more than just your average interview show. Um, yeah, like I mentioned, give it a review if you dig it, uh, along with all the others. If you like what you hear, um, over at nowplayingnetwork.net, you got Final Emergency, hosted by Jim Hankey, Movie Madness, hosted by Eric Childers, and of course, Directors Club. Simply just going on iTunes, clicking on five stars can help boost your favorite shows higher on the charts. So if you like this show or any of the Now Playing Network podcasts, you got to head down to iTunes. Or you can support the show simply by sending feedback. Send us your thoughts. You can send those to Network at gmail.com or directorsclubpodcast at com. Now once again, as I mentioned for Scorsese Part 1, one of my... Favorite film critics that couldn't have been nicer to have me visit the WGN studios to record um, the first part and now part two. He's back, Nick DiGilio. Uh Again, an inspirational figure to me in so many ways. His passion for conversation and connecting with others is always apparent when you listen to his show. And, uh, well, his movie fandom goes without saying. It dates back to 1985, Uh, in in terms of appearances on the radio, and I've been listening since 1989. And he said something to me that made an impression after, I think it was, yeah, it was Gene Siskel who passed away. I called into his show, and Nick told his co-host at the time, uh, his name was Gary Lee Wright, he told Gary that, you know, when when we were just having a conversation about criticism and critics and movie love in general he actually Nick actually said that uh, I could go on to have some kind of stamp on film criticism and you know he did have to say something like that and that was just uh, pretty mind-blowing for me to hear since I was an aspiring critic and you know I've had Reviews written at the time, and I knew that my love of movies was going to transform into something special, and I really hope that Directors Club remains that endeavor. So, just you know, just keep that in mind that I I I I know I put him on a pedestal to some degree, but it, it's for good reason because I wouldn't be who I am today if it weren't for his um, encouragement and and reinforcement all these years. So, thank you, of course for listening. Thank you for your support. It means the world to me. If you are listening, you may not even be a full-fledged subscriber, and that's totally cool. Just wanted to thank you again for giving your time to this episode, to the first part and the second part, and to any episode that you may be curious to listen to. And I thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart for checking this out, whether you're a Nick DiGiulio fan, a Scorsese fan, or just downloaded this by accident. Now, let's get to it. One of my favorite conversations with one of my favorite people. Here's part two of our discussion on the one and only Martin Scorsese. I'm ready. Whenever you are. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Directors Club podcast. I am Jim Laskowski, sitting once again. In a very special radio station studio that has been a part of my life for 26 years now <laughs> and counting, and we're returning with a special guest who is partially responsible for turning me into the movie nut that I am, and he is joining us to talk about the post-Goodfellas career of Martin Scorsese. Welcome back, Nick DeCilio.
0: Is there a post-Goodfellas uh, career for Martin Scorsese? Yes, there is. Oh, for sure. Of course, there is. We
1: didn't get to. We didn't get to any Leonardo DiCaprio movies. no,
0: no we didn't. No, <laughs> I
1: was tempted to. Call this uh, episode podcast two the second story. <laughs> I, I just rewatched House again recently for the eighty six episode I did with Eric and Colin, and that was that was I it didn't hold up as strongly for me surprisingly the first
0: one. I remember th- I remember liking House when he yeah. came William Katz in there right yeah
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's got I mean it's got the, like the severed hand bit that I think Evil Dead would get, go on to do so much better but yeah yeah no, it's, it's, it was fine and. Um, I also just got back from seeing Blood Simple at the music box, which was a, so cool. Yeah,
0: you've never seen it on the big screen. No, no. It yeah. just,
1: and it was a beautiful print, beautiful print. That's beautiful. And I have something for you, Nick. Oh. I know it's a belated birthday present, but I know you're a huge fan of World of Tomorrow. Yes. But I think you need to own the Don Hertzfeld collection
0: on Blu-ray. Oh, Partic- that's
1: so cool. Particularly, it's such a beautiful day, which I've described to people as tree of life with stick figures.
0: Oh, uh-huh. And well, thank you, man. Yeah, you've
1: got to check that out.
0: That's really kind of you. I appreciate oh, no that. Thank you. It's a
1: belated birthday present. Well, of I appreciate course, that. Uh, also well, well thank not too, you it's gift. not too late. It was like four, <laughs> four days ago. It's
0: all right. Thanks, man. I was going
1: to run to Walgreens and get you some Pringles, but I figure you,
0: you were... <laughs> no, I'm loaded up on Pringles. My my uh, my overnight uh, crew uh, yeah, loaded, loaded me up with Pringles. Yeah. You know, so... But thanks um, man that's nice of you. Yeah
1: and just super quickly since we're at the midway point here in July I know you'll mention this on your own show but yeah. what would be your favorite film of 2016 so, so far? far? Yeah. The Witch. Me too.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just a lot, a lot of good stuff man you know I, I put the list together we're going to talk about it well as we are yeah. as we're taping this I will go live in a couple of hours on my show and it's uh, July 10th or it would actually technically be the 11th by the time we get on the air. And uh, Eric and Colin and I will unveil our top ten best and worst movies because we 're halfway through the year
1: and I will link to that when it 's a podcast oh, tomorrow
0: I appreciate that yeah and' <laughs> yeah, it 's sure. uh as I looked at it, um, I actually had more movies this year that I liked than disliked, and then I realized it 's because. I've now gotten to the point where I'm choosing to not go to certain movies. <laughs> yeah. Is it like, I know you've been, you sat I've in had, for us. I've had to
1: skip a couple too when yeah. I'm on for your Yeah. And,
0: uh, and I Eric and Colin, if I hear that they went to go see Independence Day, I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to go. No, you don't need to. I don't. I Don't, don't waste need, your time. don't need to see that <laughs> shit. No way.
1: Yeah. For me, it's The Witch. And then I'd say uh, Swiss Army Man, I really, really liked a lot. I did too. And um, Sing Street. Sing Street's got a special you know,
0: place in my heart. I, I like Sing Street a lot. I, you know, and as I was narrowing down my ten, it didn't make it. Wow, I know, yeah, I know, no, and I'm going to hear it from Colin and Eric. Yeah, Trust yeah. me, they're going to kill me <laughs> because I have a feeling that that's probably number one on both of their lists. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, and and but choice. it it was number eleven. It it, it just yeah. didn't. So. The
1: moment that older brother gives him the cure
0: record, I just yeah. No, it's a great Bobby movie. It. it is a really really entertaining <laughs> movie. Yeah. So.
1: Well, let's get to the subject at hand. All right. Because we have to return to the filmography of one of the true
0: greats of cinema. It's unfortunate that I we're, s- we're going to The movie that we start with. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's your least favorite. It's definitely one of his weaker films. Um, but oddly enough, it was the first Scorsese movie I saw.
0: As a yeah. Movie. that's like, I learned yeah. that the last time we did this.
1: Right. Um, I don't know. There are a couple things I like. I like Joe Don Baker mixing Pepto-Bismol with uh, Jim Beam. Mm-hmm. And I think only, only Scorsese would... <laughs> Make good use out of the movie Problem Child. Well,
0: that's my favorite thing in the entire movie (laughs) is the fact that for people who don't remember uh, in Cape Fear, there's a scene where uh, De Niro is obnoxiously laughing his ass off. (laughs) In a movie theater, disturbing Nick Nolte and his family, smoking a big cigar, he's laughing his ass off and the movie that they're seeing that he thinks is so hilarious is Problem Child. That's my favorite detail in the in the entire movie. That and Juliet. I think Juliet Lewis. Juliet is great. Lewis
1: is very good. I'm not yeah. even the biggest fan of hers, to be honest. I, I I don't know, like hit and miss for me
0: for her. But I I, I like Juliet I, I like Juliet Lewis most of the time. Yeah. Uh, but the two movies for me that stand out. That that where she gives I think remarkable performances are this and uh, and Strange Days.
1: Strange Days is great.
0: She's and and I've never really found Juliette Lewis to be sexy or or you know that in that regard. I'm telling you, in Strange Days, good. God, is she hot in that movie. Uh,
1: yeah, well, well she, she starts singing like a rock star. I know. Yeah, no, I mean... That, that, so
0: Cape was, Fear was the first movie you, you ever saw by that was Scorsese.
1: Yeah, and it left an impression yeah. just, uh, <laughs> just because it was so out there and it was De Niro being, you know, like almost like I think I said as a manic cartoon character last yeah. time. It's just a weird mix of tones for me because... I do think that scene where he tries to seduce her in like the, in her school is really really fucking creepy. <laughs> it's the it's the best scene in the movie. Yeah. yeah. It, but it's 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 so skin crawling yet it's also in the same movie where he shows up dis- in disguise as the housekeeper which is just really eye rolling. Um, There's
0: a lot of shit in Cape Fear that doesn't make any sense. Uh, it, no. Just it, it's I, it's the only Scorsese movie that I hate. It, Cape Fear is the only one that I actively dislike. I just mm-hmm. think it's a piece of shit. And um, I remember that year I was massively disappointed by three of my favorite uh, American filmmakers that year in 1991. Mm-hmm. Three filmmakers. Now I've gone on when I I'll tell you the three the three filmmakers. Number one was Scorsese. He let me down with Cape Fear. Right. And he, that's his follow up to Goodfellas. And I I, I hated <laughs> I it. it. Shocking To uh, Jonathan Demi. I'm in the minority on this But I hate Silence of the Lambs I, I like hate it. it
1: I don't love it as much As most people do But I like yeah. it
0: well, I mean, I mean, again, once I'm once again, I am way alone in that. But I fucking despise uh, that movie. I, know I think you it's do. I think it's evil. <laughs> I think it's evil and it sucks. Um,
1: you can do a whole podcast on the movies that Nick hates. It would be really interesting.
0: <laughs> that other people like. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, but so the, so those that's two. Those two that's two. That Scorsese, Demi, and then the third was Terry Gilliam and The Fisher King. First time I saw it, I did not like The Fisher King. Um, and it I know took. you don't like
1: Robin Williams, but yeah, no, and
0: I still don't <laughs> like Robin Williams in the movie. Um, but it took a little while for me to to. To get into it, um, but, but when it first, like as if and they all came out. Well, Silence of the Lambs came out at the beginning of the year. Came yeah, out like on Valentine's everywhere. Day. It came out on Valentine's Day. <laughs> That's funny. Um, but you know, Cape Fear and uh, Fisher King came out around the same time. Right. They were in the fall of '91, and I remember like being really disappointed. I was like, oh, "Come on now!" Now since then, I've gone back and I and I like the Fisher King. I don't love it. Mm-hmm. There are things about it. I know <laughs> Jeff Bridges is amazing, and Mercedes sure. Rule is great in it. So oh, yeah. is Amanda Plummer. Right. Um, but I just thought, I just remember watching the scene in Grand Central Station where everybody starts dancing in in Fisher King, and thinking this is something a, a Gillian imitator would do. Hmm. Like it felt, it didn't soar. Like when yeah. Gilliam when Gilliam does fantastical scenes, they fucking soar. They become. And that just felt flat. It felt like he was going through the motions. Yeah. And that's kind of how I felt throughout the entire movie. There's
1: certain moments that I feel like Gilliam pastiche or just not genuine Gilliam. I think, but I I still find it find it really powerful. I, I don't
0: know. no, I mean over <laughs> and over the years, seriously, over the years I've grown to really like it and yeah. and uh, and you know and, and appreciate a lot of it. But, but at Cape the time
1: Fear, with Cape Fear, you've only seen twice, I think. I've heard Yeah,
0: twice. I I hated it. I, I just couldn't believe how bad it was, and I thought De Niro was embarrassing. Um and Nolte uh, just seemed to be, you know, going through the motions, and it just seemed completely over the top, and just, like, I hated the visual style of it, uh, you, you know, and I know what he was shooting for, what Scorsese was shooting for stylistically there, and he really wanted to push the whole horror element, and, mm-hmm. and you know, like, really establish De Niro as this otherworldly, you know, piece of evil, sure, sure, but to me, it was just fucking laughable, I just sat there, and I couldn't believe, by the time he's speaking in tongues at the end of the movie... <laughs> oh, right. I mean, I, mean, yeah. I was like, what the fuck? You know, and... And being caught and, like, catching on fire, jumping... Catching on fire, hanging on the bottom of a car for 12 miles yeah. and all... Th- I mean, all this other... I think that the Simpsons version of it is better... I agree. <laughs> uh, than, ...than the actual Scorsese. But I was, like, massively disappointed with it and, and uh, didn't think it was scary. I just thought it was absolute, absolutely stupid. I remember I saw it at... Um, the The screening was at Webster Place, mm-hmm. um, and I was sitting next to Roy, Roy Leonard. And uh, when it was over, we both just like looked at each other, and he was the first one because he assumed that I would like it because it's Scorsese, it's bloody, and it's a horror movie. Mm-hmm. And then, like you know, it, you know, he looks at me, and I look at him, and and he was like waiting for me to say how great it was, and I was like, "Man, that was a piece of shit," and he was like, <laughs> "Yes, it was." Wow. And we were both like very, very, very disappointed. Well, I mean, Scorsese would later do a remake much better,
1: and horror in much better psychological horror absolutely way better with
0: shutter island yeah but you know the, the other thing is that um i really like the original
1: yeah i was just gonna ask that
0: yeah yeah
1: <laughs> like robert mitchum like cracks an egg on onto polly bergen's chest at one point I'm Like yeah. that's cool yeah he he unnerves me in that movie
0: he's great in it and it yeah. and and that's another reason why i was so disappointed because i like the original mm-hmm. i don't love the original um, but I do like it. I think it's a yeah. much better film than what Scorsese did. And and I just thought, especially coming after Goodfellas, you know, like why is he doing this? And and and, and But again, it made a shit ton of money. I mean, Cape sure. Fear is one of Scorsese's most profitable movies of all time. No,
1: that's shocking. And True. it
0: made more money. You know, he follows up. He follows up Goodfellas like one of his masterpieces with this and that thing. You know, made no money. Goodfellas made okay amount of money. Yeah, solid. You know. But this thing was, like, through the roof for, like, two weekends in a row. It was, like, number one at the box office. Wow. Yeah. It, so. is,
1: it, it hasn't held up well. I, I do like to revisit it once in a while just to see if maybe something will stand out. But just the things I mentioned, you know, just the character actress he chose, and obviously bringing back some of the actors from the original is kind of cute and yeah. cool. But, um, yeah, it just it falls flat for me. Like, especially once they get on the boat, it, yeah. it really turns into, like, a slasher.
0: Absolutely. And it's
1: kind of... Uh, over the top. but
0: not, you know, like I, it's not that I'm against slasher movies. Of course, I, I know, <laughs> but I mean, it just it uh, it was so ridiculous by the 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 last third of the movie is just so completely absurd, um, and De Niro's character is just becomes this. I mean, it's just it he, he becomes like Jason. It's like an, yeah. he's an indestructible, you know, thing, course, yeah. and um, you know, whatever really creepy psychological stuff is set up between De Niro and, and Juliette Lewis is blown by that point. Yeah. Uh, anything that was interesting that was set up during that seduction scene, and it is a creepy scene. Yeah. Genuinely creepy. Um, and I think that's... And mostly improvised, too. I yeah. Think from what I- well, yeah, he wasn't... He was not supposed to stick his thumb in her mouth. Oh, right, yeah. That When he sticks his thumb in her mouth, that was not you know that was not planned mm-hmm. and Ju- Juliette Lewis's response to it yeah. is unbelievable uh you know and she was what 15 14 when she made that movie so you can um,
1: tell it's genuine shock on her face oh yeah
0: no but then she she yeah. really goes for it mm-hmm. and um yeah so that's that that scene is is just the standout in the entire movie i thought right. I, I, Jessica Lang, I thought you know there wasn't a lot for her to do. Was, there was yeah. you know the, the the bad marriage, the upset wife, all that stuff's been done a million times before, and she doesn't get much to do with it. Mm-hmm. Nolte seems to be phoning it in. He gave a much better performance that year in uh, Prince of Tides. Oh yeah, uh, which is not a good movie, but no, but he's, he's good. Though. He's great in it, and yeah. it's a really terrific performance. So it was it, to me, it just seemed like yeah, I got Prince of Tides coming up in about a month. <laughs> so
1: <laughs> yeah, so we can move on because The Age of Innocence. I finally watched for the first time this year. Wow. Yeah, I have, I don't know why I'm, I mean I'm not the biggest you know period piece kind of guy in general, but every now and then there will be like a you know like a Shadowlands or oh yeah you know, I mean there'll be there'll be something that's I'll, Age I of
0: Innocence even, is a, is yeah. a and I even, or, uh, not Age of Innocence I'm sorry uh, uh, what uh, the hell why am I blanking uh, uh, remains of the day in remains of the day that's yeah, the one, no, yeah no that's good
1: and uh, I mean going even um, sooner was Pride and Prejudice right. which I love so. Uh, I watched this, and I was really mesmerized by it. Yeah. And I found it to be surprisingly moving and tension-filled at times. But his swooping camera is is there. It's like I'm expecting it to be very still and quiet, but he's still playful. And like him and Thelma Schum- Schumacher, the editor, they really went to town. They did. In, in certain instances, especially with the opera at the beginning. It's yeah. It's beautifully done.
0: I remember when it was announced that he was going to do this, uh, I was intrigued. Sure. By the idea of, of him adapting this book and doing, you know, a merchant ivory like, you know, hmm. period piece. Um, especially uh, because I was so pissed off about Cape Fear. You know, and I was like, okay, he's going to. Th- but this seemed like a weird direction to go into. It. It's yeah, the complete it, 180. The, yeah, exactly. It was the yeah. polar opposite of what he just did. So I understood. Artistically, why he wanted to go down that uh, down that lane, and I think he did a beautiful job. I I, I think it's a really good film. And I, too.
1: I mean, when you have Daniel Day Lewis, and, and
0: that he, first time he worked with Daniel Day Lewis, yeah, um, when he's at the center there, it's hard not to get drawn in. Yeah, and it's a, it it seems like an odd pairing with Winona Ryder. Yeah, um, but she's she's fine. She's really good in it. Yeah. And it, but you know, the rumor was that they were fooling around during the making of the movie and all that right. stuff and whatever that means. Whether that helped the movie or not, but when you think you know, like. On paper, it's like okay, Scorsese's going to direct this Wharton novel, uh, and it's you know going to be a period piece, and it's going to start Daniel Day Lewis and Winona Ryder. Yeah, you're like, what the fuck? What is that? <laughs> and but it turns out beautiful. And you mentioned the photography beautiful, beautifully is beautifully, beautifully shot movie, beautifully edited. And again, you know, obviously costumes, all that stuff, the period stuff really works. But there, the the underlying themes in that movie are themes that Scorsese is familiar with and likes to yeah. deal with. Um, but he did it in a different way and i found it to be a completely refreshing anecdote anecdote to uh to, to cape fear yeah no absolutely and and it didn't turn out to be like, like like i think well maybe some people do think it is but i don't think it is i don't think it's like an interesting footnote in in scorsese's career he's no. made he's made a couple of those He's made a, he's made a, especially it's in this it's
1: not minor scorsese no is it's it?
0: not it's not um Phone. <laughs> Your phone agrees with you. Yeah, my phone <laughs> agrees with me. My phone says yes. It's it's not it's not minor Scorsese. It's it's really good.
1: No, but like I think Scorsese at the time he he said that his life had finally calmed down to where he could sort of look inward a- instead of like you know have this you know externalized energetic film but makes something very different to explore the themes that he's fascinated by yeah and you know it does have turmoil it does have struggle and class issues and and things that he's touched on in in ways that were always effective through different styles you know and here you know after they set up the opera um there's narration and i went well okay but i still think it works like and we, I don't know if we talked about this for the first episode, but Scorsese is one of the few directors out there that doesn't make narration or voiceover sound like a crutch. You know, it's like Brian Cox in adaptation just saying that don't ever use voiceover ever. Right. And um, but with Scorsese, it, it seems to work almost every time. Yeah,
0: almost every time. Um, we'll get, we'll, we'll get, get, to, get to Wolf yeah, of Wall Street, yeah, yeah. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> but no, no. Scorsese Scorsese's voiceover stuff is is I think I think it works most. It's really yeah. funny that uh, we're talking about. Voiceovers. A couple of weeks ago, I busted out my uh, my six disc uh, Blade Runner uh, thing. <laughs> six disc, wow. Yeah, it's like it came in like a big metal case, and it's got it's got all four cuts of the movie, and it's got this, and it's got okay. and it's got uh, the documentary, the three and a half hour documentary Jeez. of the making of it. Uh, it's called Dangerous Days. Have you ever seen it? No, I haven't. I should. Oh my should god, it. Jim, it's phenomenal. Okay. It's fucking great. It's, there, it's 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 three and a half hours long, and it's about the making of of Blade Runner. Uh, The original title of the script was Dangerous Days. That's why the documentary is called Dangerous Mm -hmm. Days. So it's this three-and-a-half-hour documentary, and this is how thorough it is. About 50 minutes of the movie is dedicated to production design, about the production design of the film. 50 minutes of Mm -hmm. it. So it's clearly specifically made for geeks like me who have seen Blade Runner like 5,000 times. And in that documentary, they go into a very, very long explanation uh, and detailing the background on all the voiceover stuff that ended up in Blade Runner. Uh, you know, how they didn't want it, and then they had to record it. And that, um, it's really funny listening to that, because you talk about how uh, uh, how uh, when voiceover works, like in the hands of Scorsese, it's great. Yeah. Uh, but when it doesn't,
1: and, and, that yeah, kind of you, Blade Runner, I'm not a fan of. With, uh, well, I, I know it has the, It's supposed to capture the noir right sort of feel and everything. thing right. and just.
0: What's well, because people, It's because the studio didn't get the movie. They didn't understand it. They had no idea what the fuck the movie was about. So they were like, "You no have to surprise. do." So I happen to. I happen to really. I love the voiceover in Blade Runner, only because it's the movie I grew up watching. Sure. Like, it came sense. out, I was 16 yeah. years old when that movie came out, mm-hmm. or 17 years old, and uh, blew my mind. And so the movie that I watched over and over and over and over and over again on VHS and on cable was that cut. Sure. And it wasn't until, like, 10 years later, when they released Ridley Scott's cut, without the narration, when I went, oh, this is better. <laughs> so I happen to like both of them. I happen yeah. to, because I have a soft spot in my heart for the 1982 version. Right. But when Ridley Scott's actual cut came out without the narration, it is a such... A different experience. It's amazing how different how different it can be. Movies can be if they don't rely on that, mm-hmm. and and uh, and I think that's a great example of it. And but like you said, I think Scorsese can do it. He's one of the yeah. one of the few guys that can get away with excessive amounts of. Uh, of, of voiceover. I mean, good fellas, uh, half of that movie was told yeah. in voiceover.
1: I, I don't like it when it sounds like an audiobook because e- even in, I think it was like that movie, Personal Velocity, that was like my only complaint because <laughs> I, I love the acting so much, but the, the
0: voiceover just sounded like it was like somebody reading an audiobook to me. Well, um, but. You know, the other thing about it is if you're going to describe what's happening on screen when it's happening, yes, you don't need it. Nuts. And uh, right. Square Safety rarely, rarely does that. Most of the voiceover stuff. Is like the inner monologue of the characters, or what's going on in their head, or how they were feeling as these things that you're watching. Because obviously, you know, Scorsese's a you know, a visual master. Yeah. And so he'll tell the and story a visually
1: to the narration too, that just yeah, the cuts and things like that. But I, I know he was uh, influenced by the Harris, by William Wyler for yeah. this particular film. And mm-hmm. I, that's a director I'm going to catch up with some too. Oh,
0: there's some great stuff there. Yeah. There's a lot of, I there's a lot of that. great stuff there. It was, it, it, and some people actually, I remember when it came out, a lot of people were calling it a vanity project and it was hmm. because, because at that time, Scorsese, um, was pretty much consistently ignored when it came to Oscars, especially, you know, following Goodfellas, you know. Um, but, like, you know, like, all those years at that point, Scorsese had never won. And everybody was being very cynical about it, I think including myself. I was like, okay, well, he's going to make this movie, so hopefully this will get him the Oscar. The prestige picture. Exactly. Yeah, and it okay. did get nominated for a bunch of Academy Awards. He got nominated for it. And, and, uh, hmm. But it didn't win. And 93 would have been... Piano... The well, obviously the best movie that year is Fearless. But <laughs> yeah, and that didn't get nominated for anything. Well, Rosie Perez got nominated.
1: Oh yeah,
0: yeah. Um wait a minute. Hold on. I happen to have I just brought these out for no reason. And I, I can tell you what That's least okay. Was podcast a- you can have dead air or, or we can edit it out. Right. <laughs> I have the this I I have my list here. 1993 my top 10. Fearless the Piano, Days to Confuse, Perfect World. Oh yeah. Secret Garden, Naked, uh Menace to Society, Ruby in Paradise what's eating gilbert great and hard boiled so <laughs> clearly those clearly i didn't go with I, I was picture. not in, I, was, <laughs> I was not on the Academy's side that year i'm trying i can't, oh such schindler's a, list for god's sake Of yeah that's such a that's such a good year <laughs> yeah 93 was an amazing year yeah. an amazing year you got Daisy and confused piano fearless all, all in one year
1: all all time greats
0: all time yeah, yeah. So
1: So let's get to a movie that I know a lot of listeners are going to be very mad when I say this, but I just think Casino might be the most overrated movie from Scorsese. I mean, I think there are a lot of people at this point who agree it's Goodfellas light, I guess, or it's just it doesn't have uh, a lot of the strengths that Goodfellas has. but there are a lot of people who back it up and love it almost as much as Good I don't movies, understand I, that. I, I don't feel that way. With you 100%. I, be, I become a little restless watching this movie. I oh, don't yeah. I think pacing is an issue. Uh, I feel like De Niro's performance is just a little too detached. Um, and Sharon Stone
0: is the complete opposite, where she's like too over the top at times. The best performance in the movie is James, James Woods. Woods. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's the best performance. And Don Rickles. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm not a fan of Casino at all. It's my sec- it's, it's, No, it's not my second worst. Uh, on, you know, and on, on of, of the list at the bottom of my list here, because uh, I made a, I put all these movies in order how I like them uh, in you're preference. No, <laughs> on the bottom is Cape Fear. Next is Wolf of Wall Street. <sighs> then Casino. Um, so I didn't like Casino. I didn't like Casino at all. And and the thing about Casino is this is one of the first times that I'd ever seen Scorsese treading water. Nothing yeah. new. There's nothing new in Casino. Good opening, no- credits.
1: <laughs> yeah, opening credits. Yeah, great opening credits. Great
0: opening credits. Woods gives a phenomenal performance. Uh, Sharon Stone way too big. Yeah. Pesci's character is ridiculous in Casino. Ridiculous. Yeah, it was, was like his they took they took what he did in uh, Goodfellas. They ratcheted it up like by a thousand. And you know, by the time like by by the time he's just sitting there and he grabs Sharon Stone's head and just you know sticks it into his crotch. Oh yeah. And then by the time <laughs> he's killing guys with pens, I'm like, what the fuck is this? What am what am I watching? Yeah. And De Niro, you said detached. De Niro just looks visibly bored. Uh, oh. um, um, there are some sequences that are cool, like when they show. I mean, it's not a terrible movie. It's just I just think it's not good that. When they show the inner workings of the casino and how yeah, that works, absolutely. Yeah. beautiful stuff. Like really top-notch Scorsese, visually telling you something Long that you've never seen.
1: Shots. Beautiful yeah. stuff.
0: A good use of montage, of course, because he does that so well. He does it beautifully. And again, great use of music. The, yeah. the, you know, again, the music as as is in every Scorsese movie. A beautiful use of the music, and you know, so visually sumptuous. But it, it like I said, it was just like you know, man, you've done this before. And, and you've done it better, and it was the first time that I saw him j- repeating coasting. himself and coasting, yeah, and I still think casino is a weak film um you know when and I have friends who love it, of course uh but i I don't get that at all, man, I just don't at all.
1: I sort of shrug it off, it's like you know maybe two and a half at the most for stars, me. yeah, yeah, uh, you know, and I just kind of go. Why doesn't this work as well? Because you know you have all these great actors. You got yep. Scorsese. You got an interesting story. You have Vegas for crying out loud. Yeah,
0: but and it, just it, and it, ah. it, like like Goodfellas, based on a true story. Uh, the stuff really happened. The, the here are here are the things that it, the, the things that I like about Casino. Besides, like some of the visuals, like the like I was saying, the the inner workings of the casino shit is great. Mm-hmm. Um, Every scene with James Woods is is phenomenal. He's yeah. fucking great. Did he, I think he got nominated for that. I know Sharon Stone did. Um, well, he should have gotten nominated. He should have. If he didn't, um, but
1: you have Joe Bob Briggs there
0: in the <laughs> Joe Bob Briggs is in it, and and I, and, and um, uh, 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 Don Rickles uh, getting smashed on the head with the phone. Uh, I remember feeling really terrible about that. You know the story about how Rickles got that role. No, I don't. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm not going to tell it as good as Rickles, obviously, because sure. he's fucking Don Rickles and he rules. But <laughs> evidently, he was at uh, there was some Hollywood party, and Rickles was there, mm. and uh, he's like, I don't even know what the hell I'm doing at this thing, because he's <laughs> like, when you have a big Hollywood party, Rickles, you don't think Don Rickles is going to be like number. He's like George Clooney, Don Rickles; those are the the two guys we want. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, evidently, Rickles is at this party. And Scorsese and De Niro and those guys, you know, they they come in and they're across the crowded room and the place is looking around and and De Niro is, you know, there and he kind of like acknowledges uh, Don Rickles and Rickles looks over at Scorsese and he goes, and this is exactly what he says, Hey Marty, when? (laughs) (laughs) And then Scorsese called him two weeks later and he's like, I'm going to put you in the movie. And that's what he said, Hey Marty, when? (laughs) I wonder if that works for everybody. <laughs> Let's try that out. <laughs> and the sometime. other thing that I uh that I like about uh Casino is that Frank Vincent finally gets to beat the shit out of Joe Pesci.
1: Yeah.
0: Because Joe Pesci consistently beats the shit out of Frank Vincent like he beats him with the cab door in, Ra- in Raging Bull, beats the shit out of him in Goodfellas, kills him in Goodfellas. So there is something yeah, I mean, really the baseball bat. There was something really lovely about the casting of Frank Vincent mm-hmm. um beating the shit out of him with the sure. baseball bat in the middle of the field. Yeah. Uh, so there was something I mean, you know, as a Scorsese f- fan, i I'm, you know, like I know all Scorsese fans. So like Frank Vincent finally got to beat the fuck out of, out of Joe <laughs> Pesci. That's pretty cool. Sure. So that that was good. You know, my dad went to school with the Spilatro brothers. What? Well, really? I met one of the Spilatro Holy brothers cow. when I was a little kid, <laughs> and uh, and it, I I'm trying to remember which one. Do you remember which one Pesci played? I mean, it's, he's not uh, Spilatro. In the movie, he's not named Spilatro. Right. But he's based on one of the Spilatro brothers. I don't know if it's Tony or the other one. But anyway, one of the I ones think that I met, yeah. and I, I, think think I, Tony. I think I met the guy that Pesci played when I was looking at my dad. I went to grade school with him. Wow. And so uh, I remember when my dad kind of still kept in contact with them every once in a while in the neighborhood. Hey, um, he came up, and I, I just remember him grabbing me by the cheek and squeezing my cheek. Look at this kid. Look at this kid. <laughs> so I've been touched by Tony Spilatro.
1: Hopefully, he didn't have any pens around. No, he didn't. And he didn't. No.
0: No, he didn't. Good. So. Yeah. So it's weird because. it made a lot of money, too. Casino made a lot of money.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, for sure. And, it, and was nominated. And, and once again, he didn't get it. But <laughs> right. it's interesting that we're sort of like just how we're starting out here. It's like, you know, something a little wild and then something a little tame. Now, we, you know, Casino's a little wild. And now we got something very subdued with Kundu. Yeah. And you know it's it's very good. I mean, it's almost it's a, like like a David Lean kind of a feel to it with God Roger Deakins cinematography and beautiful. film classic score.
0: Yeah,
1: um, and you're venturing out to like this whole other world that I did ha- knew very little about. The only the, all I knew about to pet through the Beastie Boys of all of all things. <laughs> well, sure, man. <laughs> you know, so I mean, but at the same time, it's like, oh, I'm really learning something
0: right. from from Scorsese telling this story. I think Kundin's is a really terrific film a lot of people were shocked at you know he, this is a Scorsese movie yeah. but again if you look at the themes of the movie and uh and the fact that it's about spiritualism which every in at some way in some way shape or form Scorsese that's embedded in his in his movies and we've yeah. talked about that in part 1 right. where you know i mean he was going to be a priest and he and and his faith mm-hmm. uh growing up catholic and uh and in the environment that he grew up in and uh in it's a quest
1: for atonement. It, it's,
0: yeah. It's, yeah. It seeps into every movie sure. that he makes. So I wasn't, when I, when I heard that he was making Kundin and, you know, read the synopsis and what it was about, it didn't seem as shocking to me. I say Cape Fear, yeah. you know, like well,
1: he did. Last Temptation of Christ, and I—I I mean, it's a whole different religion, but right. Still, I mean, I, it makes sense that he would tackle something yeah. different. And I, I think maybe his newest movie is—is is going back. Was it's like maybe 17th century Nagasaki with Silence, right? So, right,
0: that'll be great. Yeah, it looks great. No, it looks great. And yeah. I, you know, and I know that I don't know. Um, the last I heard, they were going to try to get it out, yeah, at the end of 2016 you know because they i mean obviously they're going to want to get oscar nominations for it and stuff but it looks great i mean yeah. all the behind the scenes stuff that i read it looks great but you know but kundun is as you, as you as you said not working with uh, well Schumacher cut it but not working with like a cinematographer that he's I don't think he ever worked with deacons before that was
1: i think casino was robert richardson richardson shot
0: time. casino yeah. yeah i think deacons first time they ever worked together was was on uh, yeah. Was on Condon. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, and Deacons is one of the most magnificent cinematographers. I mean, really, his movies are just mm-hmm. jaw dropping. All I got to do is look at any of the. Well, you just saw Blood Simple, right? Uh, <laughs> earlier, <laughs> earlier tonight. So you know, you look at the work that these that this guy does. It's, it's yeah. astounding. I know. Um, and I- Philip Glass's score is unlike anything that Scorsese had ever used. Mm-hmm. before it is stylistically I
1: probably, uh, inspired by what paul schrader did for mishima yeah yeah
0: yeah i think kundun is one of those movies that is an anomaly um it's unlike anything scorsese had ever done before or since yeah uh and and it is a real departure from the stylistically from the kind of stuff that he did although thematically it it makes sense yeah.
1: It's very meditative no pun intended but I mean No it is. <laughs> yeah, it's just you know like I think uh, at one point an authority figure tells you know the little Dalai Lama that right. religion is poison. right? You know and um I think was it Melissa Matheson? She, I think she's the one who who wrote this the screenplay. She did. This. Yeah. 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 Yeah,
0: so I mean it's it, it's, it's And she just wrote well she's yeah. passed away but uh, the BFG, the BFG yeah. was her last screenplay. Um yeah, but, but yeah no she 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 wrote the she yeah, wrote the religion
1: film. devotion and um, you know one man's struggle against external forces right. and the powers that be that sort
0: of thing you know that I have a friend who maintains it Scorsese's best movie.
1: Really? Yeah, that's surprising. Yeah, my
0: he's uh, he used to bartend what if it's at out uh, on Simons. Blu-ray.
1: I would like to watch it. I
0: don't know if it's out on Blu- God, I have I have I actually haven't seen Kundin in years. I yeah. I did did rewatch two movies for this. Uh that I, that's, that wasn't one of them because i guess i, I could I maybe i couldn't find. find it yeah i mean I, I you know i mean i looked when at the I list do,
1: when i do my search like on amazon or something and if it's not like you know on instant or netflix or something right. i won't see it but at right. the same time was like yeah i don't know if it's I, mean, I know it came out on dvd obviously but yeah
0: i don't have it for some reason i don't have it i was looking yeah. through my collection and i don't have it um i have to look into that yeah. but I it's a would, it's a it's a really yeah. beautiful and, and 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 a beautiful meditative uh, uh, departure for Scorsese, yeah. but it works. It totally works. Different kind of movie, um, but uh, but beautiful nonetheless. Right. Yeah.
1: Ninety seven was it? Was it ninety seven or? 90? Yeah, ninety seven. Yeah, that was that was such a good year too. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: um, I'm so, trying to
0: think. What was ninety seven?
1: Yeah. What the heck? Wait
0: a <laughs> Let me see if I can get to my ninety seven here. Because
1: that was that was the year I called Roy Show with the with the top ten list. And
0: so your first yeah, time? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was that was a lot of fun. Okay, ninety seven. Here's, here's what mine was And I don't know if this matters to anybody I know but, what number one is and also has seven in the top I'll start with Yes it does <laughs> I'll start with number ten Yuli's Gold Number nine in the Company of Men Yeah Number eight Boogie Nights Yeah Seven Crash Yeah. Six, <laughs> <laughs> six Chasing Amy Five Lost Highway Four Contact Three The Ice Storm Two As Good As It Gets And one eight one seven Wow you like As Good As It Gets seven. That Much Oh Yeah
1: yeah. I mean, I love James L. Brooks. You can't go wrong. Yeah. I, just don't, I don't know. I, I can't see them lasting at the end of that movie.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, I don't, I love that movie. Yeah, I really I know, do. I, I really do. And I, and, um. I love the dog. <laughs> and I love the, no, I just, I love everything about this. It's actually, yeah. actually kind of one of my favorite, one of my favorite go-to movies. Yeah. Uh, it's got yeah, it's such beautiful food. dialogue yeah. in it. And James yeah. L. Brooks, I was just, uh, you know, Netflix um, <laughs> has all seven Albert Brooks movies now mm-hmm. streaming. And I, It's not like I've not seen them before, but for some reason I'm like, oh, they're on Netflix now. Yeah. So I've been watching fucking Albert Brooks movies that I've seen a million times. The other night I watched Modern Romance. James L. Oh Brooks my is hilarious in that movie. <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> um, and speaking of that's, Scorsese... That's comfort, he, it's a weird movie to say that's comfort food, but... What, that, Modern Romance? Yeah, oh, yeah. please. <laughs> You've heard of No Win Situation, Vietnam, this... <laughs> Uh, there's so much great dialogue in that movie, and everybody, you know, like anybody who's seen the movie a million times, the scene where they're dubbing for George Kennedy yeah. running down the hallway and Hulk screaming, all that shit, it's such. That's that's one interview I wish you could get is Albert Brooks. Albert Brooks, I yeah. would love, man. Are you oh kidding? My good lord! Yeah. But uh, but it was, uh, Scorsese makes a cameo in The Muse.
1: Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: yeah which is not one of Albert you, Brooks's you, best movies. You
1: mentioned. Uh, <laughs> chasing amy and what just came to mind is the fact that i saw kevin smith at zany's in rosemont oh did you go yeah it was so much fun was it yeah it was great i mean he's people ask like maybe three questions for an hour and a half oh, yeah. and of course he just goes on no, all he these goes. long-winded tangents that are so entertaining yeah he hasn't um, made a good movie in a but long time at one but- point he was saying that holly hunter was originally gonna play god in dogma no shit yeah because he had just seen a life less ordinary and then he was like who directed Life Less Boyle. Oh, sorry. No, and nobody, nobody, nobody knew. knew. <laughs> so I was like, "Danny Boyle." <laughs> he's like, "Thanks, man." <laughs> so yeah, that he's. Oh my god! And when he talked about Alan Rickman, geez, oh, I bet. My
0: lord. Yeah. So oh, that's yeah, that was, cool. That was, that I had heard he was coming. I know uh, our friend Rick Geezer here at WGN is he works PR for Zanies, oh, and cool. uh, and he was posting a bunch of stuff online sure. about about him appearing in Rosemont. Incre- incredibly entertaining stuff. If, if people have not seen. Uh, Kevin Smith's videos, the the, yeah. the live stuff when he does the colleges and stuff. Right. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah. It, but you know, he hasn't made a good movie in a long time, and the new one looks like a piece of shit. Oh, my
1: God. It looks awful. The,
0: I don't even know what it's called. The hockey girls or whatever the hell they are, with his yeah. daughter yeah. and Johnny Depp's daughter. Oh, my God. Does it look bad? Know. Hoser, it like hoser's. No, know. Something hosers. It looks
1: like nothing but trouble bad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> awful. Yeah. So let's get to uh, another underrated one, in my opinion, and that's bringing out the dead. Yeah. I, uh, I like energetic Scorsese, the ones with a real pulse behind them. The ones where it's like, Yeah, let's just throw in this R. E. M. song while we're driving an ambulance in fast motion, <laughs> you know? Yeah. That? And um gosh, there's this haunting sequence where Cage like approaches an apartment following a gang shooting and red red wine's playing in the background. And there's um an extended flashback where he edits things kinda backwards. Like he just he kinda goes for broke in this movie. It's like uh, Some people can say it's a lot of style, little substance, but I think you know with Paul Schrader again on board here, he he brings the substance. He brings the existentialist, um, you know, sort of examination on what what happens when our jobs define us and when we get sucked into you know. Our jobs in a way that, you know, it overwhelms us and it takes control. So, I mean, I think Cage is very good in this movie. I think. So is Goodman. Yeah. Goodman. Everything's good. Like, the only quibble I have is Patricia Arquette's kind of in the background, underused. I mean, I know it's not her movie, but, um, like, the relationship that develops between the two of them is just kind of, meh. It's okay. But, I mean, it's a great final shot.
0: I I like bringing out the dead. I don't love it. Um, To me,. This is the way I've always uh, referred to as bringing out, bringing out the dead. To me, is like K Scorsese's greatest hits album. <laughs> Um, it's yeah. like all the shit he all all the shit that he's best known for. Um, it's all it's all on one disc. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like sure. here sure. are the greatest hits. Here's Scorsese's greatest hits, and they're fun. It's a fun movie to watch. Yeah, I don't think I'm, I'm supporting I'm, characters. I'm with you. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with the, the people that uh, say it's style over substance. Sure, uh, but it's it's goddamn great style. It's yes. Scorsese, and so I enjoy bringing out the dead. I just. Like I said, for me, it's like the KTL's greatest hits package. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of the themes are recycled. It's the stuff that he does all the time. The visuals are are, are like that. Uh, uh, it's
1: a total Paul Schrader movie in terms of themes.
0: You know, <laughs> yeah, uh, loneliness, being out in the middle of the night, yeah. all that stuff. That's all beautifully uh, done, but it's been done before. But um, it, it, it's not a bad film. Like I said, it just seems like if if. <laughs> Uh, if you were new to the world of Scorsese and someone said, well, you know, is there a movie that kind of exemplifies what his movies are about? Sure. You go, well, watch Bringing Out the Dead. It's like it's like saying, okay, look, here's what you need to do. You just get the, get the greatest hits package of this band mm-hmm. and then start going through the albums. So once you get, like, here are the hits – here <laughs> are like 12 hits by this band. Yeah. Now, you like these 12 hits? Okay, now explore their fucking albums. Right. Now now see what the entire album is as opposed to the one song off of it. And that's what I, That's how I feel about Bringing Out the Dead. It's like, if you watch it and you haven't seen a lot of Scorsese before, oh, this shit's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that scene was awesome. Okay, now take that scene, take it out of the movie, expand it by two hours and more ideas, and then you'll get a gist as to what Scorsese's about. Yeah. And so I'm not anti-Bringing Out the Dead. I just thought, it was I, for some reason. It seemed like I was it Did he? I don't remember the stories exactly, but I think he did it as a favor to Schrader. I think so. Um, like it was Schrader's project, and I, I guess he was, couldn't I don't get think it off. It
1: was a passion project.
0: No, clearly, no, no, no. I, no, it's not. And, yeah. and again, it's not bad. I sound like I'm shitting on the movie, <laughs> but but it's a fun movie to watch. It really is, and, and Cage yeah. is really good, and Goodman's phenomenal in it, and of there's beautiful stuff in it. It just seemed to me like it was a. It was a. Maybe Schrader was going through a <laughs> maybe Schrader was going through a rough time or something. He couldn't get the film off the ground, is what I remember. And then Scorsese came in and yeah, did yeah,
1: that's that's very possible. Um, that's very possible. Looks so like someone who I worked nights at a casino for a while, and you just get really disoriented being in that environment, and then going out and like, oh, the sun is out, but I got to go to bed. You know about that? Um, <laughs> I know a little so bit so about like, that. You know, yeah. Like this, like. Cage early. I mean, throughout this entire movie, just looks like he didn't sleep. Oh no, you know. Like yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sure he's. You know, he gets method a lot, but <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he didn't sleep. <laughs> yeah. you can see it in his eyes. Yeah. and just like how it's
0: a different world, and Scorsese captures that world. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, in in beautiful, beautiful ways, and again, you know, like all right, if you like that that kind of shit that you saw in Bringing Out the Dead, then watch Taxi Driver. If you sure, want to see it sure, like sure. for real, like the two hour version of that four minute segment. Yeah. Watch Taxi Driver, so it's it's it would be I guess bringing out the dead would be a nice launching point Mm -hmm. for people who aren't maybe familiar with the serious shit that Scorsese does. Yeah, but I like it. I do. I I enjoy. I I, I I enjoy. I enjoyed the hell out of it.
1: I think it's one of those where yeah, when I first saw it in the theaters, especially in a year like '99, good God, amazing year, amazing (laughs) that it wasn't even on my top ten list or anything. But I was kind of like, yeah, that was that felt like minor Scorsese, or at least Scorsese that we not predictable, but just. Mm -hmm you know, like like you mentioned, it, it's not necessarily recycled, but it feels like a Greatest Hits package. Yeah. But I also don't think it's a bad thing, so... No, it's not. You know, and I I get caught up in it. I get yeah, caught up in it emotionally,
0: sure. but... um, You know, I mean, you, there's nothing wrong with, like, you know, uh, uh, having Steely Dan's Greatest Hits around, <laughs> um, but I'd rather listen to Asia. Sure. You know, I mean... I can understand. I, I don't know if that makes any fucking sense, but that's sort of...
1: Nah. Well, do you know, Gangs in New York. Now... I, I think I, I think this was the this was the year that I um, I appeared on, uh, on on the radio here to reveal our top ten list with um, with Colin and Eric. And I remember you had you had this pretty high up on t- while well, you got your list there. You can probably just check again.
0: I think it's on, <laughs> it's on here becoming- somewhere.
1: <laughs> I I still feel like it's a mess structurally, and I don't like Cameron Diaz. And I do feel like DiCaprio is a l- he's still a little too young, a little miscast. And what it comes down to is that I feel it's a kind of a conventional, just revenge film, where it's just like I'm going to avenge my father's death, and I know that's draped in the historical context of this war, um, and you know the clashing of these uh, different factions. But I don't get wrapped up in in the story the way I would hope. I'm I'm totally on board with Daniel Day Lewis, obviously. Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know. It, 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 it was it was a runner up on my list. Yeah, and I'm I just it was number four. It was number fourteen. Hmm. Uh, right above Femme Fatale,
1: <laughs> um,
0: which uh, I, I have no qualms with. What's right? I like that movie more now than I did then. Evidently, here is the weird thing. You know, it's two thousand two, and what ended it, What it, the weird thing is the the movie that didn't make my list that year in two thousand two. Oh, I know that ended up being my favorite film. Of my the, one. of the decade? Was the twenty fifth hour? Yeah. Boy, was I wrong on that? No kidding. Movie. Uh, when I first saw it.
1: Well, I think you were going through a rough time. <laughs> I was. No, I was. I was going
0: through a horrible breakup at the yeah. time. Well, anyway, Gangs of New York. I, I really like Gangs of New York. Um, um, I mean, it goes. I, I think DiCaprio is great. And the, the weak link acting wise is Cameron Diaz. Of course. The, there's no <laughs> question about it. Yeah. Way out of her element, way in way too deep. Um, I the, the thing about Gangs of New York, yes, it is a simple sort of revenge thing. Um, but I really thought that there was, his, uh, there was a genuine historical interest in it. Scorsese, I, I felt that there was, a, there was a real genuine love for the time period mm-hmm. and to tell this history of, yeah, I mean, it's New York, so obviously Scorsese's the right guy to do it. Yeah. Well, um, this is
1: clearly a passion project. No question. I, I think he was like going back to after Raging Bull. He oh, yeah. to get this one off the ground. Yeah. And, but, dude... The Weinstein's. I'm telling you, it, you can when you watch it, you can feel like it's been cut mm-hmm. too much.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I think he wanted this to be longer than it is. in the Weinstein, I don't know. Maybe that might not be true. Maybe the Weinstein's were like, uh, yeah, you can have whatever you know. You can have the length that you want. Right. Make, so I don't. I just felt like there was a different cut in there, and certain scenes go on either too long or feel too short. In my opinion, it's just well it's structurally. It's I don't know. There's something about it that doesn't make it hold up for me when i rewatch it well i
0: you know um i think you're right i think there's there's i think there clearly was a, a producer's influence when it comes to this film more than i think any scorsese movie up until that point had been and of course and if anybody's gonna fuck with your movies it's gonna be the wine scene of scenes. course um, they butchered it nope. hello <laughs> oh, wait a minute everybody <laughs> rim shot what the <laughs> hell um <laughs> um but I think the, there are sequences in the John C. Riley, by the way, is amazing in it too. But the, but there are sequences in the movie um, that I think are, are breathtaking. Yeah. Um, and the, there are fight scenes in the movie that are phenomenal. Um, and
1: early on, there's some slow motion that kind of bugs me. And for some reason, the score all of a sudden has an electronic beat.
0: <laughs> yeah. You remember that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah.
1: And I was like, what?
0: Mm-hmm. Nah. Um, that doesn't belong. But does. overall, you know the. the There is a, I mean, for me, the scene that 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 makes it. it, I mean, the movie belongs to Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah, as most movies do. (laughs) You know, when you have Daniel Day Lewis in a movie, it's usually it's his show. Sure, Um, and it certainly is the case here. I mean, DiCaprio's good in it, but it's it's Daniel Day Lewis's movie hands down. Every time the guy's on screen, it's fucking amazing. The monologue that he has when he's draped in the American flag when 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 uh, DiCaprio wakes up. And, and he's then, got it's the it is one of the best acted sequences in terms of monologues I've ever seen. Yeah, sums up what the movie's about in like three and a half, four minutes. Um, sure, yeah. and and sets up everything that's going to follow. Um, uh, you know, I think the one, the thing that I it, it may not be structurally perfect, and it isn't, but for me, what t- what takes it over the top or makes it work is the obvious passion with which Scorsese felt about this project.
1: Yeah. I can, um, I can sense that.
0: As opposed to the greatest hits thing he did before. I you feel know? like
1: he should, if Ridley Scott gets to make all these different cuts of like <laughs> Kingdom of Heaven or something, yeah. why can't Scorsese have I, that freedom too? I understand. I'd
0: like to see a longer cut of this. I would too. I would too. But well, uh, it could be a series,
1: even. You know? yeah. yeah. It's just an interesting story that it feels, I don't know, less than, I don't know, if, I wish, like I wish at the end I felt, all this emotion welling up in me, like I do with a lot of Scorsese movies, yeah. but not not this time.
0: It, it worked for me, um, yeah. and also, you know, I mean, that was the year everybody was like, "Oh, he's going to win." You know, oh, this right, g- yeah. that was the year he was going to win. He was going to win. He was going to win. Chicago won. Oh god. Um, and uh, did did the, what does that, what's his ass win for best director that year? Who did, who did who directed Chicago? Bob Marshall, I think he might have won. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. So so Chicago won best picture that year, and everybody thought it was going to go to Marty. Oh, it's Marty's year. It's Marty's year. It's Marty's year. Boom. No.
1: Should have been Spike Lee'sier, but anyway.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. I put I, I had um, I'll give you my top ten real quick. Ten was Jackass, the movie. <laughs> Nine, Minority Report. Eight, The Two Towers. Seven, Adaptation. Six, Far From Heaven. Five, Possession.
1: Wow, I don't remember that movie at all.
0: Neil deBute with Gwyneth Paltrow. That. It's a That's, great film. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, four. Here's a really uh, underrated movie, um, Changing Lanes. Yes, phenomenal movie. Agree. Phenomenal movie. Great script from Michael Tolkien. Yep. Um, three was about Schmidt, two was the Fast Runner, and one was Punch Drunk Love.
1: Wow, Fast Runner, yeah.
0: Yeah. So and then that's uh, the
1: that's the fun thing about going back and looking at lists like we did for eighty six, is like, oh yeah. Forgot about that movie. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah Fast Runner was amazing. But Man, of course okay. I would have included twenty fifth hours number one. Of course. But anyway. So that was two thousand two.
1: Well you always have the power to revise yes. at any time.
0: Oh that's my list. I can do what I want.
1: Um, so you know, a biopic from from Scorsese is next with DiCaprio once again, and I like it quite a bit. I do feel like it's a little long, but um, I, I this is what th- I think this might have been the movie. Where I'm like, I mean, I've always liked DiCaprio, but now he's stepped up to love for me with his portrayal of Howard Hughes. I mean, again, the criticism was like, yeah, he looks a little too young. They should have cast somebody else. But I didn't feel that way this time. I thought he I thought he nailed it. I really did.
0: Uh, Aviator is one of my favorites. Uh, I I love that movie. I, I really, really the love plane it.
1: Plane crash. The uh... the
0: plane crash is, the plane crash is phenomenal. Um, I, I think I think DiCaprio is great in it. I think it's a great performance. Yeah, I've always been a big DiCaprio fan. Always. Um, you know, I mean, I, I vividly remember the first time i saw this boy's life um oh yeah and i yeah, yeah. i was like who the fuck is this kid <laughs> um like go was that, and to- was that
1: before gilbert grape yeah oh wow
0: that was his first film Yeah. Um, and like going toe-to-toe with De Niro in that movie, mm-hmm. and that's a really great film that a lot of people, yeah. you know, you go back Underrated, and watch that movie, yeah. it really is, and De Niro's great in it and Ellen Barkin, phenomenal, I really love that movie, it's one of my favorites And but I, that was like the calling card, when I first saw that I was like, who the hell is this kid, and I remember he came to town to uh, promote it because he was just, at oh, that time yeah. he was a kid huh. and there was this, um, there was this, for those people who are in the, who have been in the in the movie business locally here in Chicago in terms of like uh, screenings and interviews and working with PR people, there was a fucking legendary PR guy who worked for Warner Brothers named Frank Casey. Hmm. Hey, Jim, if you if you ever talk to some people, like Sergio or anybody who's been reviewing movies for a long time, yeah. everybody's got a Frank Casey story. If you've, if you've been in the movie review business locally here in Chicago, you know of the legend of fucking Frank Casey nice. from Warner Brothers. Okay, Not necessarily a good thing, Jim.
1: Hmm.
0: Not necessarily a good thing, Frank. Frank Casey, fucking Frank Casey.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, well, you get good. Bad, you get good he, and bad publicists. I'm he, learning this now as I'm getting invites a lot.
0: Right. Now, so. well, this guy, <laughs> if if he liked you, uh, you're fucking okay. But if not, it was that he did not like Sergio. Let me just say this at all. Oh boy. Uh, and there are some classic stories. If you ask Sergio Mims about his uh, his time <laughs> with Frank Casey from Warner Brothers, but he happened to love Roy Leonard. Like Casey loved oh, Roy great. Leonard and well, would do obviously. and of course everybody loved fucking <laughs> yeah. Roy Leonard. That should be a um, show. Everybody loves Roy.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> so um I was on his good side. I was on Frank's good side just by virtue of the fact that I worked with Roy. Mm-hmm. But he would have hated me otherwise. He hated everybody. <laughs> and he was this little crazy uh guy. I I, I think but when he was thirty, he was eighty. You know what I mean? He was like ah, son of a bitch. You know? Um anyway, he was Sounds like Mel Blank or something. He, no, he's like a he was this little crazy dude. And oh, wow. and um Ah fuck you. He was screaming and he was a maniac. So Casey was working at Warner Brothers at the time. Casey Casey passed away. Frank I I can't remember what year he passed away. He passed away, and he was still working with Warner Brothers. Like he was, he was the Warner Brothers Chicago guy, and just like everybody knew Frank Casey. And I'm not just talking about I'm not just talking about local people. I'm talking about movie stars. I'm talking about directors. People fucking knew who Frank Casey was. Like like worldwide. That's impressive. Yeah, it's, the stories are you have to you have to sit down with some people sometime, Jim, and talk. I would like to do a podcast just ta- hearing what you're saying. Talk now. with the people who were around in the '80s, and, 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 who were around the '70s and '80s and '90s, who who knew who Frank Casey was, because the stories are boundless and they're endless. Wow! So this is the sto- this is one of the many Frank Casey stories that I have, and it involves this boy's life. This has nothing to do with Scorsese. <laughs> Sorry.
1: Well, De Niro's in
0: Scorsese. D- De Niro in it, and, and so DiCaprio. is DiCaprio, yeah, and they, okay. you know. So anyway, um. <laughs> The, the, they they had a screening in the afternoon for this boy's life. Frank uh, had been known to take a nip here and there, you know. <laughs> he would, you know, every once in a while, you know. So sure. uh, he's like, "We're eh, gonna fucking screen." I think the screening was exclusively for Roy because he was going to interview DiCaprio. So we're we're watching the movie and, and Frank leaves. He comes back. <laughs> he comes back during the last fifteen minutes of the movie, and I think he would had a. Couple of nips in between, and hey, what do you know? It's one o'clock in the afternoon, time for a drink. <laughs> so Frank goes off. Uh, we're watching the movie, and then if you remember the last 15 minutes of this boy's life, it's pretty fucking intense. Yes. Uh, very much the, so. they, get, they get into the big battle in the kitchen. Is, that, is it mustard empty? Is it empty? <laughs> and then, like, he bites his finger and they get into the big battle. It's yeah. fucking brutal. Frank comes in, like, right before that scene starts. He'd been out. He comes in, he sits down, and he's, like, right, on, right in front of me, one, one, one chair down. All of a sudden, the, the shit starts to hit the fan, and Frank's like, God, Jesus, what the fuck? Oh, fuck. Oh. And he's, and, and, uh, and he's just like, God, Jesus Christ. Hold the, on. Oh. The movie ends, okay? The movie ends. The lights come up. He's like, what the fuck? And, 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 and so Roy's like, wait a minute, uh, you, uh, uh, Frank, you hadn't seen it yet? He's like, no. Jesus. And he looked a little. I would little, love to have seen at the goodnight Mommy uh, screen. Yeah. Screen. Well. Oh hell no. Oh no, yeah. <laughs> But anyway, uh, that's so. Anyway, that's that's. My, but anyway, wow. that was the first time I saw. <laughs> that was the first time I saw DiCaprio, and I loved him in that, and I've loved him ever since then. And I think uh, the Aviator, up until that point, was the best performance he ever gave, and it yeah. still might be my. It still might be my favorite uh, DiCaprio performance. Yeah, it I might it I... might be my favorite DiCaprio performance. I'm not sure because he's given so many great ones.
1: There are moments in Wolf of Wall Street that I love.
0: <laughs> there is the, the <laughs> moment beaches. There are and... the moments in Wolf and Wall. That for me, that well, we'll get to that. Yeah, oh yeah, we will. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, no, uh, I love the Aviator. I think the Aviator is a wonderful film. Uh, uh, great
1: portrayal of OCD and his yep. breakdown.
0: The, the I don't think it's too long. I know a lot of people complain about the length of it. I was with that movie from frame one all the way through it. Uh, there are some sequences in that movie that I think are some of the best Scorsese's ever committed to film. I think all the acting is great in it. Um, I love the fun that he has with old time Hollywood in it. Yeah. Um, I I love the style of the film is specifically the style of the kind of films that were made during that period. Sure, he went out of his way to make it visually look like that, mm-hmm. uh, to sound like it, to feel like it. Kate um, uh, Blanchett is phenomenal in it. Um, Jude I, Law. Shows uh, Jude up Law clearly. is yeah. uh, there. You know, it's just one of those movies that I think. And again. I think there was a real passion with this one. Like yeah, This was I a sense story sense. he wanted to make, and it was clearly a time period in Hollywood that he adores. And you can see that in every frame of the movie. In yeah. every frame of the movie, it just comes to life. Yeah, this and Hugo, you can sense that. Well, nature. yeah. Hugo is... is <laughs> it. Hugo...
1: Yeah, we're getting there. <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay. Okay. But yeah... No, I feel I mean, very like,
0: strongly about Hugo, <laughs> by the way.
1: No, like, the, just... Howard Hughes, in private, frantically clawing to restoring his own sanity and just you know just the the loneliness he comes succumbs to yeah i i just yeah like any movie with psychological turmoil i'm on board for but like this just i mean people can say it's too long but you get to experience what his struggles were firsthand i feel like
0: i agree <laughs> it's just, i agree it's really no there's intense. a lot there's a lot there's a lot in this movie yeah there's a lot and uh and it's and not another john c Riley performance it's very good tremendous yeah um but there, no, there's a lot going on, and, and I think uh, DiCaprio makes the character because this could be a pretty repulsive character. It could be a, a, a guy that you would not want to watch for two and a half hours, but that's just not the case. Uh, uh, the screenplay is beautifully written, and and uh, DiCaprio's performance completely sucks you in. Um, and I felt for him, you know, yeah. uh, uh, during the worst parts of his life. Um, and there's a lot of crazy shit that that went down with Howard Hughes. Um, Clearly, yeah. And I, I, thought the movie beautifully captured that. I'm a huge yeah. fan of the Aviator. I think the Aviator is a, is a great movie. I think personally, I think he should have won for that. Um, yeah. And again, he was nominated, and everybody was nominated, and he didn't win.
1: Yeah, this seems to be happening way too much with the Oscars. I
0: believe that was the year, if I'm not mistaken. Like Paul that,
1: Newman wins for Color Money. The, okay. Yeah. Well, was, <laughs> that was a gimme. Yeah.
0: Um, but I, but I think this, if I'm not mistaken, that was the year because the Academy Awards would have been in 2005. The, uh, so the, uh, uh, the ceremony. Right. Would have been in like March or February of two thousand five, if I'm not mistaken. That was the year that John Stewart um, hosted. Hosted, yeah. And after, who were the uh, the dudes who did the song for uh, uh, F- Hustle and Flow? 3-6 oh, yeah. mafia. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I think so yeah. that was after they had won the Academy Award. That was so crazy. And John Stewart came out and said. 3-6 Mafia one, Scorsese zero. <laughs> yep. And they cut to Scorsese and he's laughing his ass off. Yeah. And he didn't win that night either. So
1: uh, yeah. what can you do? But
0: he won the next time. So. I
1: know, I know. And it's a fun <laughs> movie. It's a lot of fun. I I enjoy rewatching this one. It's like, you know, I mean, maybe maybe the Aviator's a better movie, but for some reason, like if you just want to put on something light. Uh, again, something kind of comforting that's just fun. Yeah, and you get to experience like just a hell of an ensemble of great this, performances. The,
0: the Departed is the, the Departed. Is to, it's a terrific movie. Yeah. Uh, uh, it really is. I don't think it should have won Best Picture. No, there, there have been better movies that Scorsese could have won Best Director and I for. I
1: think Nicholson is a little too much Nicholson. <laughs> yeah, me. I agree. I it's agree. Nice. Uh, but
0: you I know. think DiCaprio and Damon are both phenomenal. In uh,
1: there, it. there is a moment though. I mean, it's not, it's, it's after the, where he imitates a rat moment but Yeah, behind the. Yeah, he walks behind them yeah. and he's, I forgot my cigarette. Yeah. And he just like, I was like, that seems like a nice little improvised touch that Scorsese left just in. Just left in. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Um, you know, uh, I, I really like The Departed. The thing is that I, uh, you know, I prefer the original film. I, of you know, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I think Infernal yeah. Affairs is a much better movie. And, and this is Scorsese's second. This
1: is another one I think is too long. But.
0: Yeah, I think the Departed is a little too long too. Yeah. But there's shit in it that's so great. Wahlberg uh, <laughs> uh, is great. It Alec Baldwin is phenomenal in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a very it's a very entertaining movie. It's got some really great stuff in it. Um, the first stakeout scene where Baldwin loses it. Oh my god! <laughs> I know. Well, the, I just you know the other thing about it was when I when I first saw The Departed, and um, the Stones song starts. uh yeah. I was like okay it's going to be this kind of Scorsese movie and then I was like well it doesn't feel genuine it just felt like yeah, I, I'm Martin Scorsese so I got to put Gimme Shelter in here or I got to put you know what I mean right um, it, I don't know um, yeah, that's
1: what, I remember even after I, was, I got out of that movie I remember messaging my friend who was a huge Scorsese fan was like I wasn't crazy about I never thought I'd say this I wasn't crazy about the use of music outside of the uh, Dropkick this, Murphys yeah that's the only thing I like yeah like, yeah, I was like this. Even that's I had that same reaction. Once the stone starts playing, I was like, oh, really again? <laughs> I, yeah, no,
0: that's what it felt like to me. Yeah, it felt like it, it was it was obligatory. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It didn't feel like because there's something. Ninety nine percent of the time when Scorsese uses music or songs in movies, it it's feels completely organic <laughs> yeah. and it feels natural. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel that way. Like when 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 you know Nicholson is walking up to the shop and you can hear the song playing. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. all right, all right. Yeah, I got it. Um, I also like the fact that it takes like 10 minutes before the titles come up.
1: Yeah. I love that too.
0: (laughs) It's like, what the hell, man? We're like 10 minutes into the movie and it's, oh, it's called The Departed. He gets Um, thrown into
1: prison and bang,
0: The Departed. there it is. That's it. (laughs) But no, and, uh, um, but overall, I I mean, I really, I like The Departed. I think it's a very entertaining film. Yeah. Um, you know, again, you know, it was, it was, it was the Oscar. It was the gimme Oscar. It was like, we got to give Marty his, 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 Oscar. Um, but it's, but it's great. And there's, there are some real genuine surprises and some, some amazing moments in the film. Uh, the shot of, of uh, Martin Sheen's body oh, uh, ugh, falling down. Yeah, just that one shot. Yeah. I, I remember the first time I saw the film, there was an audible gasp. Mm-hmm. Everybody in the audience went, <gasps> yep. like when it, and it was just this cutaway shot of this body falling.
1: Brilliantly same, same done. Same with the elevator moment. The
0: elevator moment to me, I remember um, it's getting so tensed up during that scene, like because D- DiCaprio is on fire, yeah. Leading up to that elevator, when he's got D- Damon, he's like, "Get the fucking you know," right. and, and I remember like really being pumped, yeah. And okay. like, God damn it, he finally he got him. Finally he's got gonna him, get him, yeah. and he gets him in the elevator, and then boom! I was like, "What?" <laughs> Even though I'd seen the original movie, right? But still, it's, it, it, coming. It, it 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 builds up beautifully. So there's great stuff in that movie. So it's yeah. not again. This is not minor Scorsese. No, uh, it's not. I have quibbles. I have quibbles with it. Got to uh, have quibbles with the rat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: I think it's it's his that's his humor seeping yeah. into the movie. It's nothing that like, I know people just like oh really? Like even in the audience are like <laughs> Yeah, but you know, I still think it's a lot of fun, and you know. The scenes to like this is something that uh my former co-host Patrick would always bring up. Matt Damon trying to hit on women is always fun. <laughs> like Adjustment Bureau. Yeah. Um I'm sure there's more but in this too when he when he's in the elevator flirting with Vera Farmiga. Yeah
0: awesome yeah
1: yeah <laughs> so i mean i just this is just a great cast it is and, it's and so much fun to watch. it
0: is and it's a, i mean it's a it's a it's a solid really really well done and yeah. a good film predictable uh, but yeah.
1: obviously that's, yeah. that has to do with we've seen infernal affairs but right
0: and i know. do if people haven't seen infernal affairs they should because yeah. it's a really great film
1: holy cow do we have one that i'm excited for yeah. it's almost like with the last episode i went on a tangent about after hours this is kind of the one that i You know, when I first saw it, I liked it. I really, really liked it. And then, like, the ending just sort of seeped into me, and I went back to watch it again knowing what the twist is. And that really added a level of sadness to the movie that I hadn't experienced the first time I watched it. Mm -hmm. So that's why I always tell people, okay, if you're disappointed with it or you think, like, oh, that was like an M. Night Shyamalan twisty kind of a thing, think about it. Well, (laughs) think about the the anxiety the PTSD that he's experiencing as a result of being in the war and then his his wife does what she does and how he copes with it is creating this imaginary person and he gets to live that out and this is you know what you mentioned with Cape Fear, this is where he steps it up. This is where it's like, here's some Val Luton, here's some Samuel Fuller, oh, yeah. you know, and watch me go because these are the kinds of movies I grew up loving.
0: Well, Shutter Island is a is a is a is a really truly unnerving film. Um, yeah, um,
1: frame one. Yeah, right? when he's and- like just like splashing water on his face and oh yeah, like everything. I, the more I watch this, I'm just like god this is really underrated. I think
0: Oh it's a, it's a it's a tremendous movie. It is. The the uh, every I think every tonal mistake that he made with Cape Fear he gets right here. Yeah. Um but this movie's about a lot more uh than what Cape Fear is about. And I don't think I personally don't think Shutter Island has got the I I I people you know when they were comparing it it's always it's got this M Night Shyamalan twist to it. I don't think it's got a twist at all. Um, the reveal to me is it's relatively obvious, and and it, it you know and it works yeah. thematically. It absolutely. It's not like like an Endland Shyamalan twist. Is like oh, it's it's actually the future. <laughs> it's something like really base and stupid because yeah. he's a terrible filmmaker and and like his twists are normally really fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. Whereas and and again I don't think this is a twist. I think it's organic within the way that the the film is written. Yeah. And um um cuz it was an
1: exercise all along that was simulated I yeah. guess you could say by by Kingsley and everybody else.
0: Right. And I don't I you know I don't really see what the the I, mean, I remember people like there was a, an uproar about it. Like oh, I, yeah,
1: the audience I, I saw was like they turned on that movie.
0: I don't I don't understand that. I I I just don't get it. The movie's genuinely creepy. Uh, there's some very scary moments and yeah. it's some really wonderful DiCaprio DiCaprio's great in it. Uh, Michelle Williams is phenomenal in the movie.
1: Yeah, she's got she's, a, she,
0: yeah, she's, she's got she's got a thankless role, but it's but it's but she's but it's Michelle Williams yeah. and she brings an air of and a real depth to it. Mm-hmm.
1: Um Yeah, these are dream sequences that actually add to the character's point Yeah, and what he's struggling with. I'm reminded of the anxiety I experienced watching Jacob's ladder to yeah. some degree. Yeah, no. It's very different stylistically, but I mean, it does hint at the PTSD as a result of being in the war and gone through these traumatic experiences that sort of lead him to this coping mechanism mm-hmm. that he invented. And, I mean, like, obviously, I went to school for psychology, so, like, this is kind of the kind of movie that I gravitate towards in general. The themes presented here and the fact that, like, I think it was around the time I'd finally seen some Val Lewton movies. It was Mm -hmm. Island of the Dead, like, some really groundbreaking stuff that I was just like, okay, I know what Scorsese is going for here. And it it works so well. And, I mean, it just showcases the tragedy um, of having to live with personal demons and not knowing how to deal with them to the point where he decides to get a lobotomy. Right. And that's just, Oh, the ending that when you finally know that, Mm -hmm. just the ending really like, Oh, I, I I, I, like have to see something funny after watching
0: some of the, some of the strengths of, of Scorsese's films are that he, he really does. Um, and this, he does it over and over and over in a lot of his movies. There, there are many movies where he really captures loneliness and anxiety better than any director on the planet. And, um, and this more than anything else he does in in, in Shutter Island, um, but and loss. but does it loss? Comp- yeah. oh man, yeah, but he does it in a way um, that in this case is it's very stylish. It's a very stylish film, mm-hmm. you know, really beautifully shot. That there's score is phenomenal <laughs> and creepy. Um, and there are moments in the movie that are genuinely scary and and really unnerving. like uh, the first time I saw the movie, I just remember uh, uh, literally being like on the edge of my seat. Like, what the fuck is going on? And right. just, like, really on the verge of freaking out for the entire running time of the movie. And that's, you know, that's that's pretty impossible for for, for a lot of people to do, uh, at least to me. Because I'm not, you know, I'm not the most jaded guy in the world. I am the most jaded guy in the world. I wouldn't say that. And, <laughs> um, but, I mean, but I've seen everything. And, like, to have a movie, like, genuinely, like, really get under my skin. And this movie really gets under my skin. Yeah. Like, it really fucking freaks me out. Um and, and to work on that level, just, like, viscerally, to have that happening, along with matching these themes and really grabbing some emotion. Like, there's a lot of emotion in this movie. It's a very emotional. It's a very sad movie. Very a sad. Very, very sad film. Um, and that that
1: flashback you flash back to what happened? Yeah.
0: It's unbelievable. Oh. It's unbelievable. <laughs> and DiCaprio, again, phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, phenomenal. And I do want to mention uh, a really, 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 really wonderful uh, appearance by Elias Guteis. Um
1: Oh, yeah. He... I thought it was De Niro when I first saw the trailer. I was like,
0: "Oh no, no, no!" Like it's Cateus, yeah, right? and, and, and that scene is one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie. One of the scariest E-B. scenes. He's fucking great in that scene. Yeah. Um, so, I, but I, that's Jackie Earl Haley. Jack, Jackie Earl Haley uh, w- yeah. during his big comeback. Hmm. Um. But yeah. So no, genuinely scary movie. Uh. Very very creepy. Highly recommended it. And uh. And that's I went back and rewatched that one for this, and uh, and it held it's, up. Yeah, it holds up.
1: It, it certainly does. When you think about it more. It really affects you. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Great stuff.
1: Now this one I you love more than anybody else I know. Um, Hugo.
0: I guess we're going to be talking about.
1: Yeah. I. I like it. <laughs> yeah. I like it. It's one that I admire, but I don't get as invested in the kid's story. I just like let's let's watch Ben Kingsley. Yeah. <laughs> and but clearly, Scorsese's love of film restoration and old film is you know th- throughout this entire movie. And it has very good intentions. I think it's a little slow, and I don't know. I, I'm, I, I'm surprised to say this. I don't get caught up in like the fact that you know the, this kid has lost his dad, and you know, usually that's something that really hits me, of course. But it doesn't really for me. It
0: doesn't in this movie as strongly as I'd hope. That's interesting. Yeah, um, I know. Up until <laughs> up until up until that point. Um, oh, and I still think it. Uh, I think Hugo's the best movie he did since Goodfellas. I think by far it's the best film he's made since Goodfellas, and um, I, I think it's one of the most personal movies that, that uh, Scorsese has ever made. Uh, one of the most passionate films he's ever made. One of the most beautiful movies he's ever made visually. Um, oh yeah! One of the few times that I told people it was a requirement to see in 3D. Uh, one of the okay, only yeah. one of the only times that 3D had been used. For a purposes outside of being a fucking gimmick, mm-hmm. like Scorsese made a beautiful three-dimensional world out of this and used the 3D to add depth, to add beauty, and substance to the film. And never has 3D been used in that regard. 3D is a gimmick most of the time. Uh, there have been movies that have used it pretty well. Uh, BFG but, did, actually but uh, too. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, but I. But I went out of my way. Most most of the time, I'll tell people, don't bother. 3D is a great way to get four four extra bucks out of your wallet, mm-hmm. and that's that's it. But not in the case of Hugo. Uh, with Hugo, I think the 3D was part of the beauty of the film. Um, as you mentioned, his passion for the restoration of film, uh, his passion for film in general, uh, his, his his you know his his love of uh, of of gadgets, his love of of <laughs> uh, of the way films used to be made. Sure. It's apparent in every fucking frame of this movie, and I hadn't felt that he made a movie um, that felt as alive or as passionate in 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 years since since Goodfellas. Um, The fact that it turned out to be, you know, a children's movie, I think, is ironic considering that ninety percent of the stuff that Scorsese does is R-rated and usually violent and full of weirdness and blood and stuff. But he makes this kids movie, and he makes like the best kids movie in the past like ten years. Yeah, um, and it has a rolled doll kind of feel. To absolutely, it. and 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 it's funny and it's exciting. The kid is great. The kids are great in it. Even Sasha Baron Cohen is great in this movie.
1: Yeah, he's kind of just thrown in there. Well, I, mean, I don't know. He plays a significant
0: role in just he chasing does. him around. Well, he does, but it's also you know I mean it is a kids movie, and yeah, so yeah, yeah. you know you want to have elements. The villain a villain, and maybe that villain should be over the top, and he chooses to play it over the top.
1: Yeah, he twirls his mustache. and Yeah, which is
0: fine. <laughs> sure. Um, and it's old school, and they used to do that in the old movies. And so, uh, it just, to me, this is, Hugo is a, a film filled with great passion um, and great love, uh, and Kingsley is amazing, amazing. in it. And yeah. all of the shit with, with him making the movies and all of that stuff is just magical and beautiful. And, uh, Incredibly accurately re- redone. Yeah, like I mean, like to the point where it's like Jesus Christ, that's unbelievable. Yeah.
1: The trip to the moon stuff. And, uh, it's incredible. Like, once, yeah, once we go back to see Kingsley making those movies, I'm, I'm in heaven.
0: It, and I love that stuff. So I do much. too. And I think that the film is a combination of of you know a, a tribute to that, um, and just the you know having Martin Scorsese tell the story, which essentially is about the creation of cinema. It just seems right. It's like what other fucking filmmaker <laughs> right. should make a movie about the creation of cinema? But then Martin Scorsese.
1: Yeah, he's given us a personal journey through American cinema, absolutely, and
0: Italian cinema, yeah. and all sorts of different I, genres. That's one of the reasons I love this movie so much. To me, it's a summation. It's like, yeah. you know what? I the mean, thematically, this, yes. I sure. mean, if you go back and you look at his, if you look at his filmography, which is what we're doing, if you look at, at Hugo, um, it kind of encompasses everything that he does uh, you know, through technique and through style, everything. Mm-hmm. And he goes back to the beginning of all of that. Um, th- you know, I think Hugo is a very significant movie, uh, and an important film. Um, not just, you know, a lot of people dismiss it as like, Oh, it's a kid's movie. Scorsese made a kid's movie in 3d and I
1: wouldn't it's cute, it.
0: but I, there's a lot, I think there's a lot more stuff in this movie. Uh, I know, you know, uh, Eric and Colin, um, and I reviewed it. Colin is with me on this one. Uh, Eric, not so much. Um, and I, I don't, I, you know, like for me, it's, it's, just just like amazingly obvious that this is a great film. Like when I was watching it, I was like, "This is an important film. This is one of Scors, this is one of the highlights of Scorsese's career," in my mm-hmm. opinion. Um, and I've, 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 you know, I don't, you know, obviously, I'm not able to see it in 3D now. Um, but I've seen it several times. I think it's, it it not only holds up; but it gets better and richer and more important with every viewing. I I fucking love Hugo. Clearly. I absolutely <laughs> love that I, movie.
1: I really like it. I I want to <laughs> get to the love. I mean, maybe if, if I watch it a couple more times, I'll get there. I just I, I get I get a little restless.
0: I'm surprised, but for some and, reason, I, I'm not. I you know, I was you know, it it hit me. On every level it hit me emotionally too sure. like i was really like wow this is so beautiful and i, I you know even just the imagery of it mm-hmm. was breathtaking to me oh yeah um
1: yeah there's there's just moments in it where it's just like yeah this is pure scorsese yeah it's you know it's not just playful it's not just a kid's movie it's got a lot of heart and passion this absolutely is a true passion project yeah. which
0: we've used a lot here but still yeah. well um, it's, it, it was you know uh i just remember when it was over i was just like that you know that was, it was cyber. for me it was a magnificent cinematic experience watching hugo it really was and i and uh i i still to this day adore it now we get to the complete
1: antithesis <laughs> for you this is interesting it's like you one from ex- one extreme to the other yeah i watched out of this one delighted <laughs> i don't know i laughed so hard during this movie and it didn't feel like a three-hour movie to me. thats I know you feel very, differently. very um, different. Very yeah. different. Um, it has a pulse. It's a black comedy. I think DiCaprio is having a ball playing this character. I like Jonah Hill. I like, um, oh, my God, Kyle Chandler. Mm-hmm. I like, I mean, I don't know. It's, but I also enjoy some of the quieter scenes. I enjoy when... Um, Kyle Chandler meets with DiCaprio on, on his yacht or, you know, the meeting with the Swiss bankers or DiCaprio's wonderful scene with McConaughey. Um, so there's just like, he does this thing where he's fascinated by masculine energy and how destructive and horrible it can be, how greedy it is. And he, he, he actually said that this was almost like going back to, Making an independent film and embracing improvisation and throwing lots of things against the wall, but you know, just like a lot of crazy things that I kind of laughed at. I mean, humor is subjective. I realize that, but yeah,
0: I kind of enjoy this movie. Wolf of Wall Street is is widely uh, uh, loved. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I'm in the minority. I I thought I hated it. I I, I know. I, Shocked. I, I mean, I just thought it sucked. Uh, um. But I was you with love it, the lewd scene. I was with the lewd scene is phenomenal acting. Yeah, phenomenal. When he's crawling out to the car, hilarious yeah. and, and fantastic. Now, the scene that it builds up to where they're smashing each other through tables and stuff and eating ham sandwiches, <laughs> that shit, I was like, okay, this is it's, it's here's <laughs> all right, here's the thing. I was with it for a half an hour. The first half hour of the film, well, oddly, that's where McConaughey uh, is, yeah, of course. but the first half hour of the film, the setup, I was with it, I was laughing. Yeah, and then for me, it just hits a wall and it never recovers. Um,
1: even when Spike Jones offers to suck his dick,
0: <laughs> I, no, no, there's you know the thing about the movie, and, and it's and it's not you know I think DiCaprio invests a shit ton of energy into this movie. It's it is a it is both uh, an emotional and physical performance. Yeah. He really and I I give him credit. He throws himself in one thousand percent into this role.
1: He bangs his head against microphones. He's nuts.
0: No, he really does and it's very, very obvious he's having a fucking blast. Yeah. So I'm not that I'm not I'm not criticizing that at all. Because again, you know how much I love we've talked about this. DiCaprio is one of my favorite actors on the planet. He's clearly having a ball. Mm-hmm. This shit just did not work for me at all. Um I didn't care about him. I didn't care about the world he was in. Um I like liked, I like well, <laughs> well, that's, but I mean, you know, Scorsese's made a lot of movies sure, about assholes. Sure, sure, sure. Eighty percent of the movies that Scorsese yeah. makes are about assholes. <laughs> um, and I, you know, I will, you, well, you know, Margot Robbie, naked, f- outstanding. <laughs> I yep. could watch that for three hours. That's fine. Uh, so, and, and I, I, I will say this, I admired the level of debauchery that was in the film. No kidding. The 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 amount of insane partying and sex and craziness in the movie from a director in his 70s. I got you know I got to tell you that's awesome. Yeah. It's one of the many reasons I love Fury Road so much. Of course I was going Fury say Road that. is insane and a 70-year-old dude made it. Yep. Fuck yes. <laughs> All right, so yes, I love the fact that you know Scorsese's like man, we're going to have blow and tits and blood and craziness and it's it's going to be nuts. We're going to go over the top. All right. And he does. And he does. And, and, and I have no issue with that. I, you know, of, some people complain, oh, it's too much. It should have been rated X. And it was blah, 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 blah. And there are scenes in the movie where I was even going, what? Well, how far yeah. are you going to go here, man? Yeah. So I, you know, I, I admire the energy and the, and the craziness and debauchery that we're throwing into this movie. The issues that I have, I didn't give a fuck about what was happening at all. Mm-hmm. Almost every scene in this movie is way too long. There are scenes in the movie where I'm like, this fucking scene should have ended five minutes ago. Way too long. It, 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 for me, it felt like a goddamn chore. Halfway through the movie, I was like, oh, my did God. She, was she, was she,
1: did she I think, she I, yeah, I think I she... I can't
0: remember. I can't remember. I can't remember. I don't... No, I. you that know what? She surprised. didn't cut it. She didn't cut it. Right. She did not cut it. And I think that's what... And, <laughs> that could be. Yeah. No, no, she didn't. And that, maybe that's one of the reasons why I was so... Cra- like, so and, and clearly, you know we've talked about this in both parts. Improvisation is a big part of what Scorsese does. Absolutely. Especially when he's comfortable working with the same actors. At this point, he'd work with uh, DiCaprio, what, five times already at this point. So he was clearly allowed free reign. But where most of that stuff, you can't really tell when you're seeing a great Scorsese movie and there's a lot of improv going on, it just fits right in. Right Here, it was obvious. Here... The stuff between him and Hill was so obviously improvised that I was like, all right, and that went on too long. I like, it was the first time I was ever like, Scorsese cut back on the fucking improv for a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, then, I feel
1: that way about later Apatow movies, but. <laughs>
0: oh, me too. Me too. I mean, is, you know, has a Judd Apatow made a movie under two hours? I don't think so.
1: Probably not. I
0: don't think so. No. And they don't need to be that long. Um, Except for 40 Year Old Virgin. Uh, yes, 40 <laughs> Old Virgin, by the way, the only one that still holds up. Yeah. None of the other ones hold up. I concur. Yeah. Um, so so, there's all that going on. I didn't give a fuck about, about the characters. I thought it was gone on way too long. Uh, tonally, I thought it shifted wildly. Uh, like, completely. Well, like, are we supposed to take... How much of this are we supposed to take seriously? And how much of this is supposed mm. to be completely ridiculous? And for me, there's no balance. There was no balance between the two of them. And then, the biggest problem I have, it's fucking Goodfellas again. I know. It's Goodfellas. <laughs> the, 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 the narration... Is if you close your eyes, close your eyes and listen to DiCaprio, his cadence, the style, the pauses sounds exactly like Ray Liotta. Exactly like Ray Liotta. And so, it you know, it feels like a parody. And it, well, it does. I mean, almost it does. Yeah. And, and I just kept shaking my head. I'm like, dude, you've made this movie three times now. You don't fucking need to do it again. And it, <laughs> dro- it just drove me nuts. The whole thing, the whole movie made me crazy. Um, and when it was over, I, I just was like, thank God. I just... No, I know. And I again, don't. Jim, I'm the, I'm the only person who feels this way. I doubt that, no. Because, I mean, you know, like all of my colleagues love Wolf of Wall Street. And, and, you know, they think it's great. I know people who think it's one of Scorsese's best movies. I wouldn't so, go that far. And, and I, <laughs> you know, and it made top ten lists all over the place. It was nominated for a bunch of Academy Awards. Yeah. And I remember when it came out that December... Uh, the two movies within the, within four days that I saw were the two biggest disappointments for that Christmas season. Was uh, Wolf of Wall Street and Anchorman Two? Oh, I went Anchorman Two, and, and I was so pissed yeah. about both of them because they were the two movies that I was looking forward to the most right. that Christmas season, and I thought they both sucked. I know. So, but I, you know, but I don't know. And again, you know, you're most people agree with you on the Wolf of Wall Street, but I, I just had such. Uh, a strong, you know, reaction to it. Like I was like, yeah. during the movie, I was just like, what the "I was thinking to myself, what's going on? Why is this happening?"
1: I almost, so. I almost wondered if, like, y- your hatred of the of um, you know the Ferris Bueller character somehow informed your <laughs> reaction to this. But what, what, one thing I don't like, I feel like this movie could have ended with him, you know, on the tennis court, going, "Oh, I forgot, I had money cut," because then it goes to the real Jordan Belfort, yeah. Announcing like this is the baddest motherfucker I know, and that's where it feels like a complete like vanity kind of a thing. Yeah. It just that rubs me the wrong way. Well,
0: I was just... I was done by that point. Sure, <laughs> <laughs> i had i had I had turned it. I had turned myself off at that yeah. point. I was like, I'm done.
1: That's kind of. Well, I mean, that's like only like what five minutes of
0: the rest of the movie. Well, so you know i just, I, I, I tried to watch I tried to watch it a second time. I couldn't get through it. You know i i, I got I, I was I don't know. I got I got six hours into it before I turned it off.
1: So. And I and I'm laughing at Jonah Hill going, Oh my god, Margot Robbie's so hot <laughs> and kind yeah. of and stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I know there's it's ridiculous, it's over the top, it's crazy, it's lunacy, pretty much from beginning to end. I just find it entertaining no. and I can't explain why. I just nope.
0: do <laughs> everybody does, man. I'm I'm the I'm the bad guy here. <laughs> no, 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 no,
1: no. Not at all. That's that's rarely the case. <laughs> um I'm sure there's instances going back to uh, Die Hard Two. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I'll never get over that.
0: I know. Uh, it's, it's, I, I, I like it's I like it better. I like it I like it better than the do, first let's one. Let's
1: okay, let's start the Renny Harlan episode right now. <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street 4. I'll, I'll, I'll back that
0: up. I back up. I, hell, I go to <laughs> I go to Mindhunters. I'm I'm with them scary. even on Mindhunters, man.
1: Yeah. Well, I think I think <laughs> next year we'll do this again. I I really want to talk Kevin Reynolds with you. I'd love to. Because, you know, that that was something that, you know, I initially thought of early on in the run, but I, I'm the more I think about it, and you know, you, even in the first episode, you mentioned how you uh, praised the Beast and stuff.
0: One of my favorite movies, right? Yeah. And so I think Did it, you see Risen?
1: Yeah, I yeah. liked it. Yeah, I did too. I liked I it. I thought it was fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I don't think I have the same passion for Waterworld as you do, <laughs> but um, <laughs>
0: I I. Well, I mean, it's other movies. You know, it's, I mean, I, I like Waterworld a lot, yeah. but it's stuff like One Eight Seven. I love uh, Fandango. Fandango so. uh, One Eight Seven. Uh, yeah, you know those are movies that are just—I uh, mean, they're—they're they're great. Yeah, really, really great. Uh, I just think he's a—I think he's a great—and the Beast. Those three movies right there alone, anybody makes those three movies, he gets an automatic pass. Mm-hmm. I just think he's phenomenal.
1: Yeah, well, I think we'll just wrap it up here. All right, man. Um, I know. Well, we did—we gave our top five on the last episode, but yeah. we can we can give it again. All right,
0: sure. Go ahead. All right, number five for me is After Hours, four Raging Bull, three Mean Streets, two Goodfellas, one. Taxi Driver, um, which is a film that I could watch twenty four hours a day, which might say something <laughs> about so scary. might say something about my <laughs> psyche. I'm not really sure. And Then
1: I'll, you'll be reading uh, Catcher in the Rye all day. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, number five for me is Shutter Island. Number four is Raging Bull. Number three is Goodfellas. Number two is Taxi Driver. And number one is After Hours. Right. Great movie. Which um, I hope to do an entire episode on at some point because I just – I'd love to deconstruct the hell out of that
0: movie. That's a great film. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, it means so much to me that you've been oh. on the show not just once but twice. Thanks, man. you're a busy
0: man. No, but, I appreciate you know, it. It's a blast. Working hard here I, I love the fact that I can radio. say fuck. <laughs> I think people enjoy that. I, I just really do because <laughs> on my show I can't and uh, – so fuck. Well, if you ever want your own podcast, you know who to call. It. Um, <laughs> okay,
1: we yeah, call could, it the fucking someone. Nick D Show. The, the the Tobolowski files. We got the the Julio files. The Julio files. Yeah, right. t- telling stories and whatnot. That'd be that'd be a blast. But um, thanks, you know, Matt. It's you, been a, it's
0: been a real pleasure. Same here. I appreciate you, it.
1: You have enthusiasm, knowledge, and I've, I just I've always said this going back to ninety seven. One of my favorite critics ever. Thanks, man.
0: Yeah, I really appreciate it. So
1: next episode, it was pushed back a little due to some scheduling conflicts. But in just, I think yeah in a few days finally gonna do Agnes Varda you mentioned Vagabond I mentioned Vagabond which I just saw I loved great film lead actress in that Mm -hmm. my god what a performance yep so yeah we'll be talking um, some Varda with uh, my good friend and film blogger Kate Blair couldn't be more excited for that um and then late this month you'll be treated to some more episodes. So be sure to visit directorsclubpodcast.com. The podcast network of course is now net. and give a listen to the just posted uh, bonus episode in which Eric Childress, uh, Colin Suter and myself go back 30 years to review the film The Year in Film that was 1986.
0: 86. So much fun. Was the biggest movie that was The Top Gun was that I the biggest think film so, that year? Yes, like the box office yeah, wise. Yeah,
1: yeah, and Crocodile Dundee <laughs> of all things,
0: which is bizarre. <laughs> I took a girl to see that on a date. <laughs> oh no, I did, and then I <laughs> took the same girl to see The Fly. Speaking of, uh, oh yeah, nineteen eighty six. You have a long history of taking dates to
1: Cronenberg movies. Yeah,
0: well, you know, she didn't hate The Fly; she liked The Fly. Good. Uh, Thank uh, goodness, but the girl I took Dead Ringers to was not happy. Yeah. So.
1: Well, I couldn't be more proud of that episode, and of course, um, thanks again, Nick, for being on. This is oh, a lot of fun. Thanks, man. All right, talk to you later, everybody. Have a good night. Let's go. oh, please, please, I need a little longer.
0: Just a little bit longer, please. You have to. All of a sudden, the, the shit starts to hit the fan, and Frank's like, "God Jesus, what the fuck? Oh fuck! Oh!" And he's and and, uh, and he's just like, "God Jesus Christ, hold the oh.